Ah, we're good to go here. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Those of you who are dads, why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, all you dads, stand to your feet if you would, please. Fantastic. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Well, it sure is good to be back here. I've been gone the last couple of weeks. I was out in Wisconsin, and uh, we had one of our churches up there that was moving into a new facility, so we had a grand opening that I went back to, to speak at and, and was able to preach at two of the other um, campuses while I was there. So it was great to get away from the heat, but boy, I tell you, it is fantastic to be back here. I've looked forward to coming back here this morning. So get your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 is where we're starting here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It's on the screen here. Why don't you say this with me? Can you say it out loud? Say it with me. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I want you to kind of just settle in your heart just a little bit. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. You know, there's so much in our culture and our society and so much that wants to tear our lives apart and to tear you down as an individual. And so I think it's just such an important thing with Apostle Paul is describing here that we're called to encourage each other. We're called to build each other up. And we've been doing a series around here called Community, where you and I belong. We've been talking about how God created us to need each other. That that's how God created us. He created us that way. We're not supposed to live our lives on our own. As a matter of fact, God said right from the beginning in Genesis 2, verse 18, it is not good that man should be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. Whether you're male or female, it's just not good for us to be alone. The problem, though, is I think all of us tend to fall into the same trap where we end up living life by ourselves because of busyness, because of hurt, because of trying to isolate or insulate ourselves. And so invariably, we fall into this same trap where we end up just kind of living our life by ourselves. And that's why we got to get up through our thick skulls that the only way we're going to ever grow spiritually is if we're connected to each other. I cannot grow spiritually by myself. God did not create us that way. And that's why so many of us, we struggle in our spiritual walk and the reason is because we're isolated, we're, we've insulated ourselves from other people, and so we're just not making progress in our spiritual lives. And so that's where I want to kind of be very, very practical for those of you who are dads, for all of you men that we're celebrating here today, I want to be very practical and tangible about how to do this in very specific ways. So the first way that we can help each other grow, number one, is by affirming each other's worth. By affirming each other's worth. And when you and I do this, when we affirm other people, we're doing something incredibly significant in the world today. Because when you think about it, this is exactly what Jesus did while he was here on this planet. There are so many people that are, that are pulling people down. And so when we are affirming people, we're showing a visible, tangible a very specific example of who God is and how he interacts with us. And so one way that we can affirm people is through acceptance. Just simply accepting others. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, it says, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. Think about it. Because it's easy to snub people, right? It's easy to belittle people. It's easy to demean people. It's easy to think the worst of people, especially if you're having a bad day, right? 
That's just automatic. It's automatic for us just to, to, to try to pull other people down. When we get hurt, when we feel rejected, when we're having a bad day, it's just easy just to fly off the, the hook and just to demean people and to think the worst of people. But to lift people up, to actually think the best of people, that's going to require a little bit more intentionality on our part. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. And so think about this, because if I put somebody down, am, whose side am I taking? If I'm putting somebody down, am I taking the devil's side or am I taking God's side? Yeah. Right? I'm taking the devil's side when I'm, put, when, I'm putting people, when I'm putting people down. It's got dark in here all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fun. Ah, light. We have light. Let me say it again. If I'm putting somebody down, whose side am I taking? Am I taking the devil's side or God's side? Say it again. I'm taking the devil's side. So every time I put somebody down, I am actually doing Satan's work for him. Because he's the one who puts us down. He is the accuser of our lives. But when I'm lifting somebody up, when I'm believing the best in people, then I'm actually doing God's work. I'm coming and partnering along with God. And so a pra- that's a practical way that we can affirm each other's worth is just simply by accepting them, thinking the best of others. Another way that we can affirm each other is by showing attention, showing attention. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. This is an interesting verse that the Apostle Paul is describing here because he says very specifically, to those who are in, the, in God's family, to the family of believers, we're supposed to give special attention to. And it's kind of interesting because we are called in the great commandment to love God and to love our neighbors, right? We're to love our neighbors as ourselves, but it's interesting that the Apostle Paul says we're actually to give special attention above and beyond what you'd normally do anybody else, your neighbors, your co-workers, those who are in the family of God, we're actually supposed to give very specific attention to it. And here's the general principle, because whatever you pay attention to, it's going to grow, right? If you give attention to your garden, it's going to grow. If I give attention to my kids, they're going to grow. If I give attention to my marriage, our marriage is going to grow. It's going to become better. If I give attention to my work, it's, it's going to grow. The only principle where this doesn't work is hair. <laughs> For some of you, the more attention that you put on your hair, the more it tends to fall out, right? But the general principle is the more attention you give something, the more it's going to grow. And so I have a challenge for you here this week. I have a challenge for you to search out people who are fellow believers and give them your attention. Don't wait for an opportunity to come, but actually put down, you know, the remote control on your TV, put down your phone and give people your focus, give them your attention. It's one way that we can affirm their worth. Here's another way that we can affirm others' worth, and that's by showing affection. Showing affection. Now, how many of you have heard about the failure to thrive syndrome uh, that happens with babies? Have you heard that before? It's this, it's this condition that when infants, if they're not held, if they're not caressed, if they're, they're not hugged, if they're not touched, 
then as they, as they grow, they'll fail to develop. Well, as true as that is for infants, it's also true in regards to adults. UCLA did a study a while back that discovered that to be a healthy, fulfilled, satisfied adult, you need eight to ten meaningful touches a day. Eight to ten. Meaningful touches a day. That means you need to have hugs and touches and to be able to be held and squeezed and put a hand on your shoulder. We need eight to ten of those touches. And so I know it's dark here, but I want you to stand at your feet, okay? Stand at your feet. Maybe easier for you to see each other since I can't see you at all up here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stretch. Go ahead and stretch here. All right. Stretch just a little bit. Touch your toes. Get down. Touch your toes. Touch your neighbor's toes. No, don't do that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move around. I want you to give three people a hug. Just in case everybody's kind of lacking in touches today. Move around. Three people. I want you to give three people a hug. Come on. Three people. Come on, find three people. Just three, though. Just three. All right. Now come sit back down. Sit back down. Now... Watching you, I notice there's probably, some of you have one of two reactions with that. Some of you think I'm never coming back to this church again. (laughs) Just a little bit too close for me. But those of you who are really smart are thinking, okay, I get it. Next week, I'm going to sit by somebody really cute. (laughs) So let's do this again next week, Pastor, right? I I know what you're thinking there. How many of you say you're, you're, you're huggers? Well, let me see your hands. How many of you are huggers? All right, everybody else is really nervous here. Oh, Danny, come up here, would you please? <clears throat> Since it's Father's Day, where are you coming? Over here? Since it's Father's Day here, I thought, especially for you ladies, so you can get us guys just a little bit, there are three types of hugs that men tend to interact with. And you may have just experienced one of these three if you just hugged a guy. First is the three-pat hug, all right? Guys are mostly notorious for this one because a lot of guys, we struggle with physical contact with each other. And so the three-pat, the three-pat hug is just kind of, I'm afraid to hug you. I'm afraid to hug you. And so it's just kind of, let me, let's come on, come on, Danny. Here's the, yeah. Did you see that one when you were doing that? All right. How many of you make you do that one? Come on, Arvin, raise your hand. I know you do it. That's the three-pat hug, and, you know, it's just kind of, I'm, I just kind of want to get this over with here. So you do that kind of three-pat hug. The other hug is just the side hug, you know. You look forward, you just kind of do, give a little squeeze, a little squeeze there. And that's, that's just the we're kind of buddies hug, right? That's the buddy hug. And then there's the bear hug. This one, you really got to get into it. And those of us are taller kind of like this one. You know, this is the big bear hug. <laughs> This one I'm a little bit afraid of because guys like Danny can hurt me. (laughs) Come on, give Danny a hug. hug. Give him a hug. Give him a hand. Look at this next verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans 12, verse 10. Can we say this one out loud with each other? Say this with me. 
Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Look what he says. Apostle Paul says, we're, we're family, folks. Whether you know everybody here in this room, whether you know the person that's sitting beside you, if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're family. You're my brother. You're my sisters. And brothers and sisters are supposed to show affection with each other, right? Where we do this as a family. We're coming here together. We're not just speaking words and doing things like that. There's actually affection that needs to happen in our hearts. And so let me encourage you to do something this week, all right? Get out of your comfort zone just a little bit. Max is fantastic. Max Peoples is fantastic with this one. He goes around and hugs everybody. So let's use Max as our example this week. And I want to challenge you to go around and hug people, okay? All throughout the week, just hug people. Remember, everybody needs eight to ten physical touches a day to be healthy and satisfied and, and to live right. And so just go around and hug people. And if people look at you weird, just say, my pastor told me to do this this week. All right? So there's your challenge for this week. So here's, a, here's another way we can affirm each other, and that's by showing appreciation. By showing appreciation. Appreciation means to raise in value. So if you bought a home this past year or um, in the last 10 years, then you know what appreciation does. Your home value has increased here in this Austin area. And so if you bought a car, it's just the opposite, right? You bought a car, it depreciates, it's, it's losing its value. But when we, every time you appreciate somebody, what you're doing is you're increasing their value. That's what it does. When you're appreciating something, you're appreciating their value. And so when I appreciate my wife, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm raising her value. When I appreciate my kids, when you, when you appreciate your, your coworkers, when you appreciate your friends, you're, you're raising or increasing their value. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. And so... I want you to do one more thing before you leave here this morning. I want you to find three people who served, were, were serving and trying to take care of you here this morning, whether it's on the, on the worship team or all the people that are back there with the tinies or the littles or the bigs and the kids' ministry. Those are the ushers or the greeters or back in the coffee team or the prayer team. I want you to just find three people here this morning before you leave and just walk up to them, give them a hug. They need another hug. And then just thank them for what they've been doing. Just take time to appreciate people. That's the way we can increase their value and affirm each other's worth. And so that's the first way that we can help each other's grow. Another way that we can help each other grow is by praying for each other's growth. By actually praying for each other's growth. Look at this passage in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Epaphras, a servant of Jesus Christ, from your group also greets you. He always prays for you that you will be grown, you will grow to be a spiritually mature and have everything God wants for you. It's such a powerful verse that describes actually something I think that we forget that we're supposed to do. We're actually supposed to pray for each other to grow spiritually. I think what we do if we actually remember to pray for people, we tend to focus on praying for their needs, their tangible needs, their relational needs, their physical needs, their, their, their job needs. Those things are just right there. But to actually pray for their spiritual growth is one of the most important things that you can do because that's the thing that's going to stand. That's the thing that's going to last in somebody's life. 
And I think one of the reasons why we don't actually do that is because for so many of us, we don't know how to pray. How do you pray for somebody else's spiritual growth? Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us a lot of examples of this. I want to show you a couple here this morning. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, I pray that you may be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. Now, think about the people in your life. Because who in your life needs to experience more of God's love? Do you have some people in mind? Maybe some family members, some friends, some co-workers? I want to read this verse again, but this time when I read this verse, I want you actually to take a moment and just pray for them. As I'm reading this, just say, yes, God, this... Whatever that name of that person, this person needs your love. God, they need to experience more of your love here today. Let me read it again. And you pray for those people that's kind of on your heart. I pray that you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is and to experience this love for yourselves. See, we can pray this, folks. You see that? This is something that we can pray for each other, that God's love, that they would experience God's love to greater and greater degrees. Look at this next verse and be thinking about who needs this. Hebrews 13, verse 21. I pray God will make you ready to obey him and that you will always be eager to do right. Parents, this is something you can pray for your kids. When I have my four kids are here this morning. I pray, God, that you would make McKinsey and Madison and Landon and Sheldon ready to obey you, and they'll always be eager to do right. You can pray that for your kids. You can pray that for your coworkers, that they would have integrity, that they wouldn't be deceitful or dishonest, that they would have integrity in what they're doing. You can, you can pray that they, they'd be willing to obey God and be eager to do what is right. Or how about this one, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so who in your life needs more hope? You can pray for them right now. Who in your life needs more joy? You can pray for them right now. Who in, in your life needs more peace and what they're going through? It's something you can pray for right now. These are ways that we can help each other grow is by actually praying for their growth. And so the first way is by affirming each other's growth. The second way is by praying for each other's growth. And then the third way is by encouraging each other's commitment. Encouraging each other's commitment. First Timothy chapter 4 Verse 7 says, train yourself to live a godly life. Now, how do we do that? How do you stay in training for a godly life? Well, I think one of the most effective ways for you to do that is to get into a small group. When you think about it in terms of just your physical body, we all do better when we're working out with somebody. If you've ever used the gym out here on the property, it's, it's, you're more motivated if you're doing that with somebody else, right, than just trying to do it by yourself. If you're trying to put yourself on a diet or some sort of exercise program, it's always easier to do it with somebody else, to work out with somebody else. That's why, folks, we need each other. In order for you to grow spiritually, we need to encourage each other's commitment. We need to be able to speak into other people's lives. For Courtney and I, we went to our first Suppers for Six this last Thursday. We're in Georgia and Cinda's group. And we met up just up the road here, and it was fantastic because 
um, people I didn't fully know, and they didn't fully know us, and we just began to talk about our lives in very simple and honest ways, and we started talking about what keeps us from developing significant relationships, what, what, what makes it hard, you know, what makes it difficult for us to actually engage and, and to really grow in our, in our relationships. And as we began to share, as people began to share, in that, what's happening is you're stirring each other's faith. You're stirring each other's hunger for more. And this is what the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need that sharpening, and it only happens in that close proximity. You can come to church every single Sunday and still not grow very far spiritually. And the reason is because you can go to church without much interaction. Now, usually we don't hug that much in a church service. But even that is not going to necessarily spur you on to more, to more spiritual growth. There needs to be where you need to open your mouth and people need to be able to speak into your life. Where you can say, this is what I'm going through. And people come around you and pray for you. This is where real significant spiritual growth happens in our lives. And it can only happen in a smaller group setting. In Romans chapter 1 verse 12, it says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me. And my faith will help you. Do you believe it? Yes. My faith will help you. Your faith will help me. And your faith will help the person on your left and on your right. And their faith will help you. That's how God created us. That's why in the midst of busy, busy lives... That's why in the midst of all these things that are going to cause you to pull apart and to separate and just kind of leave all these difficult relationships behind, we need to intentionally, proactively encourage each other and build each other's up because my faith will help you and your faith will help me and we'll actually be able to grow more spiritually. We need to be able to encourage each other's commitment with that. All of us fail. All of us get discouraged. All of us want to just kind of, we want to leave all this up. It's just too difficult. And that's why we have to encourage each other. We have to give people attention. We have to think the best of them. And we have to be able to spur each other on when you pray for each other's growth. I want to ask you just to close your eyes here. Because I want you, I want you to allow just the presence of God and the Spirit of God to begin just to speak to your specific situation, what's going on in your life and your sphere of influence and your relationships. Because one of the things that I know is that spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is a choice. You're as close to God as you choose to be. And I want you to kind of let it just kind of settle in your heart. And I want you to think about that because your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth, it's a choice. You're going to be as close to God as you choose to be. And one day, you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. And, and he's going to ask you, did you ever make these commitments? Did you ever fulfill the purpose I put you on earth to fulfill? And so I want you to think about, for you personally, not anybody else, what's your next step? As you're trying to move forward with God, as you're trying to grow further in faith, just what's your next step? Because for some of you, it just starts right at the beginning. You need to take this moment to ask Jesus to come into your life. 
Maybe that's why you're even here this morning, because you were drawn to something. And God's been stirring in your heart, and, and you've been trying to figure out what to do, and, and you realize that you've just kind of been living your life on your own, but you've never really given control of your life to Jesus. And so maybe that's where your very first step is, is to let go of control and let Jesus take control of your life. And the Bible says if we'll just confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that's your first step is just simply making that proclamation, making that declaration, making that invitation to Jesus to come into your life. Maybe your next step is to be baptized, to make a public declaration of that choice that you made. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to join and be part of a church, to get involved here at the church, to connect further with a group of believers. You can say, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really connecting with other believers. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe for some of you, it's all about opening up your life to others. That for whatever reason, you've kind of isolated yourself and you kind of separated yourself and Maybe for you, the next step is to, is to make a decision that you're not going to live your life on your own, but you're going to start opening up your life to others, that you're going to get in a group, a small group, so that you can establish genuine and authentic relationships. Maybe that's your step. Or maybe your next step is to, to find a ministry, to start using the gifts and talents that God has given you. Instead of just sitting on the bench and watching the game happen, that you, your next step is you need, to, you need to get into the game and use the gifts, the call, the purpose that God has on your life. Whatever is that next step, I want to just pray with you here this morning. I'm going to ask you just to pray this out loud with me. Just say it with me. Say, dear God, say it out loud. Dear God, I want to grow up spiritually. I don't want to stay a spiritual baby anymore. So today, I'm choosing to make some serious commitments. I commit all of my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow your purpose and your plan. And I commit to publicly announcing my faith and I commit to not living my life alone anymore. I want to connect with others in genuine relationships, not superficial relationships. I want to do life together with others. God, heal my heart from the hurt of past relationships. Heal my heart from the hurt and the damage that others have caused me. And I make a decision today to again to trust, to again to reach out, to not live my life by myself. And more than anything else, I commit to be the person you want me to be. I commit to the journey and I want you to make 
your home in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take communion here together. As Daniel said earlier this morning that the two things that have stood the test of time in Christian history is creed, where we declare and proclaim God's truth in our life, and communion. Jesus himself said, when you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. We're talking about community. We're talking about doing this together. And I think communion settles that because at the cross, there's no differences. Male, female, rich, poor, black, white, gray, yellow, brown. There are no differences at the cross. And so when we come here and take communion together, we do this as a family, as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes for us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is shed and poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And I think this is such a powerful moment where we realize and we understand that God forgives us. No matter what you've done, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. This, this is what this is about. This is what communion is about, the reality of his forgiveness in our lives. That's how much he loves us. And so here at One Chapel, we celebrate what's called One Open Communion which means this, you don't have to be a member of this church to celebrate communion here. Like I said, we're all one here. Jesus is the one who set this table before us, not a church. And so I invite you, whether you're a part of this church or not, this table is set for you. We can do this here together. And if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I'm gonna, you can do it right now and be a part of this incredible family of God where we all celebrate this here together. A table set in, in front of the two sections, and how we're going to do this is that we're going to go from the front rows all the way back. You're going to exit from your right, circle around, and get your elements, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then take it back as you circle back into your row. The ushers will help in moving the rows along. Let's do this here together.